lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. Welcome to the podcast today. Um, we're excited to have all of you back. Thanks for listening. And today we have Jackie and Levi Coley. And we actually had Jackie on last season, uh, episode number four, and she talked about losing her son to cancer as well as starting a foundation called Christmas for Cancer Families. We get to hear more about why she decided to do Christmas for Cancer Families um, versus just like serving the person that has cancer because, you know, it affects the whole family. And so we hear from Levi's perspective as a, as a sibling, as a younger brother, what that was, the experience was like and what a great perspective we got hearing from him and just some really cool tips and ideas of like when you're supporting friends and family that are going through something hard of how to speak to, you know, the, the other children in the family and just, just good ideas that I think were really helpful. Yeah. And he's such a, just a great kid. I mean, he's not a kid really anymore, but um, just wise and smart and thoughtful and I think, like we said, I think he had to grow up fast. We kind of talked yeah, about that. He was what, like 14 or 15 when yeah. his brother got cancer. So, mm-hmm. and he seems like he just has a lot of wisdom. And so does Jackie, like both of them. Yeah. And we yeah. got, I mean, a lot of people listened to Jackie's last year and just yeah. loved her honesty and vulnerability and, and just how amazing she is to put all this kind of pain into helping others. Yeah. And, it's really cool. And yeah. part of the way we wanted him back and we actually, push their interview ahead of some others that we had because they have an event coming up in November and we wanted to get the word out. So it is, do you have the date? Yeah. So it is the first, and actually this was Levi's idea. He wanted to have oh, that's like right. a better, yeah. a, a better place to kind of get a lot of money all at once to help more families. Right. Cause so, Jackie would kind of just like ask, even last year, if people mm-hmm. listened to her episode, which was awesome and she'd always get things going. But Levi was like, yeah, he, he was like, let's have a big event in November that we can raise a lot of money up front and do a lot for families. And you can still donate just your time and, you know, money or talents as well. But I think, um, this one is to just, yeah, get a bigger amount of money at once to help more families. So it's November 14th at six to 9 PM at Le Le Hardin, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in Sandy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you buy tickets to the event and there'll be a dinner and an auction and a silent auction. I think what's really cool is a hundred percent of your ticket that you buy will go to Christmas for cancer families because so many amazing people donated. Yeah. For like the food and Mm -hmm. the event place. Yeah. So like any money that you donate or the money for the tickets, yes, will all go to. And I think you can still donate items for the auctions as well. Mm. So we'll put that in our notes and links on our social media so you can get the tickets and find out other ways to help if you're interested. Yeah, for sure. But it's a great interview. And I think, um, people will really like his perspective perspective. and Jackie's awesome. So Mm -hmm. they're great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump into our segment on what's What's new with us. Yeah. (laughs) So last night with our, well, I guess, I don't know what night this will be. Yeah. Last night as we're recording today, but yeah, yeah, a few (laughs) nights ago when this goes live. Yeah. We took our girls and a bunch of neighbors and us all went together to watch the Taylor Swift um, era's movie. movie. It was so fun. It was way fun. Yeah. It was so cute. I had that 
picture in my head of those girls dancing up on the stage. It was so cute. And then the ushers had to come like get them down. Right. <laughs> Cause it did make it feel like a concert. Cause yeah. everybody was standing up and singing to the songs and mm-hmm. like almost cheering for Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like she was really there, Yeah, but it was really well done. I mean, it's long. It was like almost three hours mm-hmm. of just, I loved it though. I, I thought that it was so well done and mm-hmm. you kind of felt like you were, a part of it, it was, I don't know. I thought they did a really good job with it. And yeah. It was and fun. like our daughters all got like Taylor Swift shirts and we went out to dinner before and mm-hmm. there was probably what, like 22 of us that kind of all went yeah. together. Yeah. It was a pretty was big really group. Fun. Yeah. It was so. fun. So I was just kind of something fun that's been going on with us. And yeah, we recommend the movie for any Swifties out there. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it's worth the 20 bucks. Over yeah. It totally how much was. You might pay for the yeah. concert. So it was really good. <laughs> yep. All right. We'll Levi. jump into the conversation with Jackie and Levi. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. Uh, we're so excited. We have a guest we had on last year, um, Jackie Coley and her son, Levi. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Super excited. Yeah. Last year, I think we it was episode four. Yep. So one of our very first guests. So when we were thinking about doing this podcast and who we wanted on, um, I had known Jackie just from the gym and then had participated in her Christmas for Cancer Families and just thought she'd be such a great person to have on and to invite people to be part of her foundation and help other people. And I think so many people related and it's one of our highest listened yeah. to podcasts that we've had. So yep. if you want to go back to season one, episode four, that was just such a good episode. I would highly encourage people to go back and listen to that and get her full story as today we're going to focus a little bit more on her son Levi's perspective um, of having a brother with cancer and kind of what came about from that. And then also they have a gala coming up that is another big reason why we wanted to have Jackie and Levi on. So um, we'll get more into that probably at the end of the episode, but do you guys want to just kind of explain a little bit about what that is and and when it is? Yeah. So um, we're going to be doing our first annual fundraising gala for Christmas for Cancer Families. Wow. And if you want to put November 14th at 6 p.m. on your calendars, we would love to have you join us. There will be about 120 seats available and each seat is $75. 100% of that donation goes directly into the foundation or the the charity um, because we, we have met some very generous contributors. We had um, wow. Larkin That's Mortuary awesome. donated Lee Jardine for us to use as our venue. And then we've had, I have some very generous clients that have paid for the catering. And so 100% of that ticket price goes to directly to the uh, donations. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And we're just, we're doing that primarily to raise additional funds that we can use to help uh, families that are suffering the effects of cancer. Um, and we'll get into more of that later as far as what we do with that. Before we started the interview, we were talking a little bit about why it's called Christmas for Cancer Families. So maybe you could explain that and then we can go into Levi's story because it kind of connects Levi. Right. Sure. Um, and thank you for your kind words about the podcast we did. I have had the opportunity to tell my story about losing a child to cancer multiple times and it has been very healing for me. And um, but some of the biggest lessons that I have learned and that I try to share with my friends that are currently going through that is the effects that it has on the entire family. Um, I think a lot of times the, the person with cancer gets a lot of love and attention. I think that the parents get a lot of love and attention. And I think that the siblings are frequently overlooked 
and you know as parents that we always go to the child that is needing us the most of the time and so you can imagine what happens when a child has a terminal illness um, without meaning to the parent obviously you know directs all their attention there so I really would love to take this opportunity and listen to Levi's story because he's got an incredible story he's extremely inspirational and he touches a lot of lives and and so I'm excited to hear about it yeah I'm sorry yeah definitely for sure and I met Levi when I participated when you guys did that home it was kind of a almost a whole home makeover I mean you gutted it you added on to it and we were breaking up tile and making a big old mess (laughs) yeah was awesome yeah that was the miller project yeah that was really cool and a lot of yeah physical my daughter came with me and she's like wow that was like some of the most physical labor because it was like heavy tile and we had to take it out to the dumpster and so it was awesome very cool it turned out amazing for that family for sure yeah that's so cool um so yeah let's start levi let's start with you or just kind of tell us about yourself your hobbies um kind of where you are in life your age and so we can get to know you a little bit better yeah yeah awesome okay um, well, I'm Levi. I, uh, I'm 23. I live in Lehigh, Utah. I, uh, grew up in South Jordan and, um, right now I'm working full time running multiple businesses and helping obviously manage Christmas for cancer families. This time of the year, especially is very busy with Christmas for cancer families because, um, <laughs> Christmas is coming up mm-hmm. and, we get excited. We get antsy. And so yeah, we start I'm fundraising sure. and doing events. And But uh, yeah, so I, I own a few businesses. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor at heart, and I uh, own a business called Invictus Floor Coatings. We just do epoxy floors for garages and uh, warehouses and whatnot. I started that when I was 19. And so I've been doing that since I was, well, for, four, for the last four years. And um some super exciting things happening with that this year. So I'm excited about it. And then, um, I own a business called Penthive and I own, uh, and then I'm just doing some real estate investing and nice. Yeah. You are busy. Yeah. That's like, yeah. What's Penthive? So that's actually where the office we're in. If you're on video, you can see that, but networking group for entrepreneurs. Oh, cool. We have a weekly mastermind meeting. Um, where we talk about goals and are accountable to each other and help each other grow our businesses and, and reach our goals. Um, when you join Penthive, you basically create this this uh, whale goal for yourself, and that is the goal that Penthive will help you create. So when you join the group, it's almost like you have a group of partners that help you run your business and help you overcome whether they're business or personal uh, roadblocks. We um, we actually like help as a group overcome those things. And so, some people's well goals have been, you know, like I want to lose twenty five pounds this year, or I want to get a six pack, or I want to make a million dollars through my business. And we've never actually not reached one of those well goals. That's awesome. Um, before the timeline, so it's 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 an awesome group. It's just a subscription based, and you can find us on. Um, online or Instagram's our yeah. favorite. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of like the saying, like we is greater than me. Like mm, if you can't yeah. do it alone, yeah. get in a group and like be accountable and help each other out. And that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Totally. I'm so impressed. So you're 23 and you have 
these multiple businesses that you've started and yeah, it just sounds like you're doing great things. So that's really awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, maybe we should go back in your story a little bit to, um, yeah. What age around were you when all this started happening, unfolding with your brother and from your perspective, just what was that like? That's a super great question. So, uh, I guess my story really gets interesting around like 14 years old and you'll laugh because, you know, 14 year olds are just in heaven. Like, I don't know just playing all the time. Oh Life yeah. Isn't no really stresses. Yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I was in middle school and, um, I guess I was just living life like any 14 year old and life was really like blissful. Um, and then, uh, I, I guess one day my brother went in to get his kidney stones checked out and ended up turning into cancer. And so, um, I have two other siblings, like my mom had mentioned, my sister, uh, who's six years older than me, and my brother, who's um, three years older than me. And so Riley and I, who's my brother, were really close. And when he got diagnosed with cancer, everything kind of got real, like life. It's almost like the rose-colored glasses came off and life got real. Like I did never really been through anything hard in my life. And I never really needed a testimony or really understood why a belief in God was important. And I didn't really know, like, why the heck did people always talk about how, how important family was until that moment I, I really understood. And, and so, um, after he was diagnosed, the, a lot of attention came to our family and, it was really confusing, but also very like humbling. And I felt like I was the part of some awesome organization, like almost like I, I don't know, became some kind of movie star (laughs) because everybody, I mean, we had make a wish, give us this awesome gift. And we had a lot of trips planned for us. And so many awesome things happened for my brother and a lot of awesome gifts like flowers were in abundance at our home. And so, um, it, it was, yeah, it, it didn't feel like anything was wrong until treatment started and Riley started really becoming sick and he lost his hair. And that was like, that's when it really hit the fan, you know, like when things really realized to me, like, oh my gosh, okay, his health, this is, this is real. And so, um, when he lost his hair, we had this little head shaving party and we shaved our head with him. And if you're watching the video right now, you can see that I'm bald again. <laughs> and I just keep becoming bald because I keep knowing people that get diagnosed with cancer. And I have mm. no problem whatsoever shaving my head for anybody that has cancer. I would want the support from the community as well. And so you'll see me be involved until I die. I feel like just a couple (laughs) of times. And he has really awesome hair. (laughs) So it's a bit of a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. The hair thing is funny. My, um, my mom had cancer when I was like eight and I remember her losing her hair. I remember like you said, like I constant food and flowers and people coming and I was pretty young, but I still just remember 
yeah, when you find out your mom has cancer, you're like, okay, she's sick. She doesn't look sick. But then you start treatment. Mm. They lose their hair. They don't look like them anymore. It's so hard. It's like a, I don't even know. Um, it just, yeah, it makes it seem more real. Like yeah. this is real. Because a lot of people, they don't may not look like they have cancer, but the hair thing is more of like an indication and a gut. Like, oh, wow, okay, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're not used to seeing that. Can you remind us, and just for listeners also that haven't heard the story, how old Riley was, and how, and you said you were 14 when he got diagnosed, is that right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. He was... He was 17. So three 17, years older. Okay, that's it. That's right. Okay. And then what kind of cancer was it? It's called Ewing sarcoma. Oh, right. It's a rare pediatric bone cancer. Okay. And it's usually uh, diagnosed in the extremities, like your arms and legs, but he actually was diagnosed with a tumor in his rib cage. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we've met a lot of people with Ewing sarcoma who lose a limb and get it amputated. But Riley, uh, his surgery looked more like a removal of a couple of ribs. Interesting. So yeah, a lot of interesting miracles, but also tender mercies and hardships around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Initially, when they found the, the cancer, they they initially told us that it was contained in that one tumor. Um, and so he did chemo for three or four months. And then when they re-scanned re him just prior to surgically removing it, that's when they noticed that there were actually three or four more tumors in his spine and on his pelvis. Mm. And that, Levi probably really felt that at that time because... Um, like Levi said, we had so much support from the community. Riley was on the football team at Bingham High School. And so the football coach and then some of my friends from the gym had put together a like a 5K carnival, um, big, huge hurrah with about a thousand people at Bingham High School. And so I think that's what Levi refers to somewhat when he says that he felt like we were famous was mm, just yeah, everybody's at first for you. it. it it felt doable, you know, it felt like we could conquer it. And then uh, when they found those other tumors, it became a little more serious in that the survival rate went from 70% down to 30%. Oh, yeah. Wow, that would be really hard to hear. Yeah, to get that news. Oh, yeah. And so, like, how long was that between the time, you know, that he first got diagnosed to when you found out that that survival chance went down and the additional tumors were found? So he was initially diagnosed um, the end of March of 2014, and we found out probably in June or, yeah, June, mm. that it was So it was pretty fast, yeah. yeah. It was pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So he did treatment for an entire year, and of course, you know, I was always at the hospital with him, and from my perspective, Levi was just has always been an outstanding human being. Like yeah. he says that the thing that he loves the most about our parenting was that we trusted him and we totally did. Yeah. Like he didn't really have to ask permission for much. Like he would be like, I'm taking the truck and the boat and going to Lake Powell. <laughs> See, and we're just like, okay. well, wait, wait, you're only 15. <laughs> okay. You can go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was so hyper-focused on, Riley that the, our oldest child Mallory was on an, a mission for the LDS church at that time and Levi was um, in middle school and <clears throat> Levi has mentioned to me that 
everybody would see him and say, hey, how's your brother? How's your mom? How's your sister? And he felt like they really didn't even know his name or, mm. you know. Yeah, that would be really hard. Yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that, you know, how that that was when, I mean, of course, he's your brother and you love him and you want all the support, but that might, that must have been just a different, it's a unique perspective and I don't think we hear it often, you know, so that's why we're so grateful you would come share, but yeah, maybe just take us through a little bit more of what that was like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when, when the, the chances of Riley surviving went down and, and after the big, the big surgery where they removed his, his, uh, tumor, they, um, the community slowed down with reaching out. Obviously, family and close friends stayed very consistent with with help. But something that people need to understand is that when somebody has cancer, like it's it's not something you can tackle alone. And in, if you were to ask me in my personal point of view, I don't think life is something you can tackle alone. I absolutely think a support system is absolutely crucial like you cannot do this alone no matter what and so it it was it was kind of a bummer to see that people slowed down with with their their reaching out but i also understood like life goes on but the pain um did not subside and and the fight doesn't slow down i mean it's it's really intense and so riley yeah so so after he was diagnosed, we were looking forward to this big surgery. It was going to, they were going to go in and remove his tumor and they were going to do a couple more chemos to kill the rest of the cancer around the tumor. And, and we we're all, we we're all going to be out of there, done and happy. And, and at this point around surgery time, my hair was growing back. Riley's wasn't. And we were moving forward into the future with a lot of optimism. Um, the surgery was supposed to fix everything. And, um, and I guess as through those months, um, I guess the years of having my brother going through such intense treatment and surgeries and, and whatnot, um, and having just graduated high school, he had a lot of, uh, influence at the school. So I was just coming in as a sophomore, like a young kid into Bingham high school and, so a lot of the football players and the teachers and the administration knew my situation. So they would constantly like, and, and this was so sweet of them that like their hearts were going out to us, but they would ask like, Hey, Levi, how's your brother? Or, Hey, aren't you Riley's brother? How's he doing? Like, and I seriously like think that that was so kind of them, but it has taught me a massive lesson that like, when you see somebody going through something hard, which in my opinion, everyone's going through somewhat something hard. Don't, uh, don't ask them like how their situation is. Ask them how they are. Mm. So for example, if somebody's going through a tough pregnancy, like literally, does it really matter like how the pregnancy's going or does it matter how they're doing? Or if somebody is running a business and you know they're running a business and the first time you see them hey levi how's how's your business i would strongly say i, I would seriously say that that's like probably not the thing that you want to say 
obviously it shows support and it takes a lot of courage to walk up to somebody that you hardly know and ask them about their situation. But I, I would even go as far as to consider that it, it kind of traumatized me to the point where I felt super invisible, how often people were asking me about Riley and how he was doing and an update on the cancer. And I probably told his story to just hundreds of people a week. And I never, like, I never, I just don't remember ever getting asked, how am I doing? And so that this kind of pushed me into a lonely, dark place, I guess, where I was at, I was expected to be this cool younger brother that, uh, that was there for my brother and whatnot. Um, and almost didn't have any of your own issues or problems to, right. Like I can't come to my, like my mom's like every time I saw my parents, they were like wiping off tears. Like, and that is not any issue of their own, but the, the circumstance. And so it's not like I, it's not like I could, I mean, I was young. I, I was not, I was still in the house. I, I couldn't go to my family or my parents or anybody and approach them and say, Hey, I've got a girl problem. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like, like nothing I, is as I want to talk to you about yeah. my Yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, this goes for everybody. Like there's, everybody has their, their, their level of hard going on right now in their lives. And, and sometimes you feel like you can't approach anybody because their problems are larger. But in that case, that was the real truth. Like there was real fighting going on. There was a real battle of cancer going on. And, and when, when somebody's diagnosed with cancer, like it affects very, very strongly the people around them. And people do not re- realize that. Like I have a friend that I just shaved my head for that got diagnosed and he had to drop out of school and quit his job, obviously, but so did his wife. And his, he's young enough to where his parents are involved and, and their lives are very like, obviously like your son has cancer. And so everybody's life is so affected, but, um, nobody really takes a magnifying glass and looks at the family and those, those other people who are affected in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I, cause I feel, of course, your heart goes to Riley and then you, I think automatically people probably think mom like Jackie, you know, cause it's their child to think of not only were you feeling invisible, but like you were like your brother that you were close to was sick, but it's like this, so many things going on and life, you said life goes on. So you're still going to have grades and you're still going to have girl problems. You're going to still have sports or activities that like you feel guilty feeling like those are important because it's all about Riley's health. But yet, you're, you don't want to be invisible. I mean, it's very understandable and very, I really appreciated when my son, um, he's has a lot of health issues and he has had surgeries and seizures and all these different things. And it was so interesting when people thought of my other kids. So if they came to give paint and a gift, but, and my mm-hmm. he was my oldest. So if they came and they're like, Oh, here's some coloring books for your other kids, or here's, I brought him a treat, but I also brought all your kids a treat because it's traumatizing for them to see him going through surgeries and going and when all our focus was on him and has been on him a lot with, you know, going to even speech therapy or physical therapy, whatever it is, there's always so many things that the other kids. So I did really appreciate when people noticed that and would ask my other kids mm. like how they were doing or pay attention to them because it affects the whole family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it even, 
I, I, I mean, toward the end. So Riley went through a year of treatment and then he was deemed no evidence of disease for two years. They told him that there was a 70% chance his cancer would come back within 24 months. And it did come back exactly at that time. And, and that is um, during the time that Levi was in high school and, and it even was contemplating going on a mission. But uh, what I was gonna say was toward the end, as people would continue to bring things for Riley, and he did have a big presence in the community because uh, of his age and being on the football team and everything, um, strangers would drop off gifts at the door and things like that. And people would take gifts to the hospital and he almost, he, he would become agitated and he would say, I don't want that. And he would try to give those things to Levi or to, to other kids at the hospital because he, it started to make him feel awkward that people were still just giving him things. And he noticed they weren't giving it to his brother or his sister or so I think that can happen too. That's interesting. Like he could even see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking back to like, you know, the counselors and the teachers reaching out to you, Levi, and asking, oh, how's your brother doing? Like, I, I mean, also like, how are you doing with what's going on? You know, I, you could just flip it just a little bit. Like, you know, that they're trying mm -hmm. to just get a feel of how's the family doing? How are things doing? But you know that they care about you as well. And they're trying to show you that they care by asking how your brother's doing. But of course, like from a teen, well, really from anyone's perspective, I loved how you explained that with, you know, whether it's the person that's pregnant or whatever is going on in anyone's life. But, um, yeah, just putting, just asking, how are you doing? I think that's just such a powerful message to remember. And, you know, I'm thinking about all the people in my life that, cause it, I think that is just that the natural, natural thing yeah. to just say, Oh, how's, and, and you think you're showing care and you are, but how much more meaningful, especially like I said before, like that teenager, those teenagers are just so hard. I mean, they are fun and carefree, like you said, but then at the same time, my 14, 15 can be really hard as well. And those, all those ages, and mm. then you add this traumatic family experience. So anyway, I think this perspective is super valuable. Yeah. I was going to just say that too, like wanting to go back to that, ask about the individual, not what's going yeah. on, but, yeah. but be the importance of the person. Yeah. And, and maybe the way you start is, oh, how are you doing with what's going on in the family? And then, oh, well, how are things like, how's, how's life going? You know, just if that's the, I, like the thing that kind of connects you to the, the child or the teenager or whoever else it is, the event that everyone knows about and everyone's talking about is going to probably be the thing that they first ask about, but how's it affecting you? You know? So yeah. anyway, I think that's just so smart, like such great advice that you gave there. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. And I that. was going to yeah. say. I feel like we all at some point, like you were talking about like life is good and so easy and I don't have any hard things. And then when a hard thing hits, like it is sad to me that when it hits kids, when it hits teenagers, like I feel like sometimes it doesn't hit people till later in life. But I do feel like people like you, Levi, that have gone through something hard as a young kid, you're just so wise and you have yeah. so much, such a gift to give to others by what you're saying and the perspective you have that like a lot of people don't get that for a long time. And it's mm. not that you wish any bad thing upon anybody, but what you are like, just how mature you are and how just mm. your wise words and your perspective is, I think, super important. And you can teach a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I mean, and I wanted to stick this in there that like, I mean, going back and this is such an awesome podcast. I love what you guys do because isn't 
life. I mean, life is just pivot after pivot or shift after shift after yeah, shift yeah. where we learn this. We get knocked in the head by some big moment or big trial or, or whatever you want to call it. And and out of it comes such a beautiful thing. And I, I, I mean, I scroll through you guys' episodes and it's like this, like it's just a list of terrible things that happened <laughs> yeah. in people's lives yeah. that came and what came out of it was so beautiful and for me in this in this time we we fast forward riley beats cancer once it comes back um we're battling again for the second time and he he beats it technically like by a hair the second time and they're like okay dude it's gonna probably come back but we believe in miracles so go live a nice little life you know, and go have fun. And this is where things, this is where the shift happened for me. Like, like we were talking about, like, um, like think about the person, not the circumstances. And there's that, it's just a tiny shift. Like, honestly, it's a tiny shift. So I was to the age of 18 and I was super fired up to get out of the house and to create a name for myself. Like I'm so done being Riley's brother or Jackie's son, you know? And so I, I mean, I'm LDS and I live in Utah, so I, I was like, okay, am I going to go on a mission or not? Because my brother might not be here when I get back. And Riley told me, and this is going to sound so funny and I'm going to sound a little bit rude, but um, Riley told me to stay home. He said, Levi, I might not be back when you're here or, or when I might not be here when you get back, so just stay home and like fight cancer with me mm. because it, it's, it's coming back and I want to have a fulfilling life. And I, I told him, no, like my, this is something I want to do. I'm sick of like, I'm sorry. Like you are important to me, but I have a life to live. And that experience was really hard, but it taught me so much. Like, the best example for me is like a good example of this. And I don't even really know what to call it, but it's just putting your needs first. Like I see this in marriage a lot, like people that are married have needs and sometimes their needs include something outside of what the marriage can give. And so thus comes a divorce and having the option of hurting someone's feelings in order to, or, or basically declining what their request is in order to get happy or become free in your own way is super huge to me. And, and divorce is such a huge example. And, but it's, it's real, like everyone has needs. And so as an 18 year old, I, I learned my version of saying no to somebody I love to live the life that I wanted to live. And and then also having learned that shift that we spoke about that that people need first of all you can't go through life alone and second of all people need support in how they're feeling and not what they're going through because those two things don't correlate 100% all the time and so i got called to serve in in honduras speaking spanish and i um, my mission was like so hilarious because I just didn't fit in. 
like everybody wanted to baptize and I just wanted to go see how everybody was doing and visit a bunch of people. And I loved knocking doors because I got to, I got to see people in their home, in their element, talk to them about, um, my beliefs, but also really ask them the hard questions and, and see how people were doing. And, and my companions all the time were kind of frustrated with me because I, my focus wasn't on getting them baptized. My focus was on sharing the love of God with people who deserved it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I guess that's the biggest, most beautiful shift in my life that this experience has taught me is that everybody deserves to feel God's love or, or love in general regardless of what their circumstances are and you have no idea what anybody could be going through even I, I mean their circumstances could be so bougie and just like you know roadblock free but they could be the way they feel could not like could be insane compared to what you're seeing on the outside yeah and there's a lot to be said about suicide in that but I guess that's yeah like that 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 was my experience through through my mission and and through Riley's battle in those years yeah I bet that was really hard to do but really brave yeah to do as well yeah and I think that's just a really good um like just message to people is you you know choosing what you know is going to be best for you it can be hard sometimes but you know, you don't want to also do something that kind of is going against, um, what you really want to do, because then I feel like it might come for, like, you might end up being a little bit resentful that you didn't do the thing that you wanted to do. And so ultimately like following your gut, you know, following whatever path you think is the best for you, I think is just, yeah, super brave, especially at that age, you know, for you to have that wisdom and probably took a lot of thought and consideration, but that you did, you know, what was best. And I think that's awesome. And, And then I love how you took that to your mission and, um, just that perspective. And I'm sure that was so meaningful for people there too, to feel like you were there because you cared about them and you wanted to know about them and you wanted to share love with them. Like that is just the perfect missionary to me. So I think that sounds amazing. Right. And I yeah. feel like, you know, there's probably plenty of missionaries that have gone through hard things before their mission, but to have the perspective you had coming in and kind of realizing some of the things that were important or not important in life and, um, just sharing that and love is probably super important and probably touch so many people in that country. Yeah. In Honduras. One thing, if I could share, um, in listening to Levi share that, I don't know if, if people can really get the, um, the enormity of it, of that decision Mm -hmm. for him. Like it was not an easy decision for him in watching him in that struggle and in that turmoil. Like I remember him taking his mountain bike up into the mountains and yelling at God and, you know, I remember the struggle he had in even knowing if he wanted to serve, serve a mission and, and where he worked, people at his work would, you know, mock him and tell him he was stupid for doing that. And, and at one point I remember him coming home and saying, I don't know if I even believe in God. And I was like, well, totally up to you. Like, you know, you've got to do what's best for you. You, you better figure it out, you know, like, and to watch him, like you said, he is extremely wise and extremely strong and extremely driven. And, and I really have 
feel like I have just always trusted that he would make his the right decisions for him. But to watch the process he went through in kind of breaking away from his tribe and finding himself and having the courage to move forward with that amidst all that was going on at home was extremely inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And yeah, I think it's super admirable. And I'm, you know, I'm also so glad that you supported him. I mean, I'm sure that was difficult from a mother's perspective too, to see him go because you didn't know what was going to happen, like the unknown. But I think it's amazing how you responded to him. Like you need to figure this out. And that goes back to the trust that you had for him, you know, and I'm sure some kids are easier to trust than others. So Levi had your trust for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But still, I think it's, it's really amazing that, you know, you had that, um, dynamic in your relationship. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just one thing I'd love to mention too is Riley, so Levi has always been the best looking child, son. <laughs> Riley's good looking too, but Levi has always been fit and very handsome. And and Riley was a little chunkier and he was cute, but you know, they're just different people. And I I knew because I got to spend time with both of them that I think Riley was envious of Levi. Um, Levi loved to do personal sports like mountain biking, triathlon, swimming, running. And Riley was more of a team sport guy. And so he would tease Levi for the sports he would choose or whatever. And so I would see, I would see Riley teasing him. And obviously it wasn't okay. No parent's okay with that. But it's like, there's, there's some dynamics when you have a child that, that becomes terminal. It's like, if you, if a parent thinks it's difficult to kick a child out when they're not terminal, we know how hard that is, right? Try to discipline a child when they're terminal. Like, try to discipline a child with cancer. It just, that only added to the dynamics probably that Levi felt too was, yeah. you know. And then, so so Levi went on his mission and he went through his own trials. He had multiple surgeries while he was out. He didn't speak the language right off the bat, but he quickly learned it. He had some kidney stones and things that put him in the hospital over in this foreign country. And then you know, right on the heels of all of that, his brother called him and, and what did, what what was that like when Riley called you? Um, and asked you to come home. I don't know. It it just came out of nowhere. And in Honduras, the missionaries don't have phones and we would email once a week and whether there was service or not, the email was a question. And this was before you could FaceTime as a missionary. And so it was just as much as your family could get the time to write a letter and fit into there what's going on. And I would sit six out of seven days a week just in peak anxiety, wondering like, okay, is my brother alive? Did the cancer come back? And so, I mean, I slowly saw signs coming. Um that he would, like, they told me that he's coughing up blood and, like, crazy little things. And then one one day at my year mark, um, my president just handed me his iPhone and said, here's your brother on FaceTime. And, and so Riley and I chatted, and he was, he had, like, his head shaved, and 
he had this cut out of his the side of his head and all these tubes up his nose and, and whatnot. And he was in the hospital and he just said basically like Levi, um, come home right now. And I I was just seriously so against that. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you can become brainwashed as a missionary to the belief that like you are changing the world and every moment that you're out there you like is so important because that's what they they teach you as a missionary is like exact obedience and so even the thought of coming home was like I was disobeying disobeying my my orders almost and so um long story short I ended up coming home and uh yeah Riley told me on the that FaceTime call that day that like he loved me and he understood me and he's super glad that I'm out here serving my mission and missions are so important and it changed my life. But he, he said he'd like me to come home because he's, he's going to die in a couple months. And, um, yeah, so I came home and, and I'm so, I, I have a friend that called me the other day and they're like, what's, what's the best decision you've ever made in your life? And I mean, I've done cool things with business. I've dropped out of college to pursue dreams. I've, I've made some big decisions and that still remains today. The greatest decision that I ever made was to come home for my mission and spend time with family before I would lose them. Because I had this vision of like, I was able, I was blessed with the opportunity to see when I, when somebody was going to lose, lose their life and leave my life. And so I got to cherish every moment I had with him. So when I came home, I mean, we spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of money together. We spent, (laughs) like, we just did a lot of fun things on his bucket list together. And um, life went on for everybody else. They had their work to do. And he and I, I mean, he was done with treatment. And he and I just hung out and just did a bunch of, random things that made his heart come alive and I was a missionary still I, I decided to stay a missionary and just did an at-home service mission and and that's when another shift happened in my life is is learning because I started realizing like okay but you're gonna die and I know when you're gonna die you're gonna die in a couple months and so let's let's live life in a manner that you're dying in a couple months Ever since then, I've met so many people that have lost family members that didn't know that their family member was going to die in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't get the opportunity to live in a manner that they're going to die in a couple months or to see what that's like. And I've actually never met anybody that has been in my same situation where they didn't have a life at all. I mean, I was just serving a couple hours a, a day at like the food kitchen or helping refugees get around town. And... I, I got the opportunity to learn what living like you're dying really was. And if there's any shift in my life that has been, I mean, that's the greatest shift in my life that I've ever experienced was, was having the opportunity to live with somebody that truly like actually was dying. And the biggest thing that I realized was, was, was the portion about family. I mean, he always said family over everything. He didn't before he got cancer, though, right? Like, he was like yeah. a, a friend guy before he got cancer. And then the sicker he got and the closer he got to, to dying, like, he 
he shifted from this really cool football player to this, like, I want to spend all my waking hours with my family. In fact, he went and got tattoos on the back of both of his calves that said family over everything. Oh, I love it. And so we use that hashtag, you know, oh, sometimes. But yeah. yeah, that was, it was, a it, it, again, like listening to Levi talk about it, it sounds like just fun and miraculous. But <clears throat> if we had a lot more time, I'm sure Levi could go into how difficult that was too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere that Levi took him, and Riley was no small presence. Like, everything about Riley was big. <laughs> and when he wanted to go shoot guns, they took all 26 guns, which meant they took all the ammo, the oxygen tank, the his water cup, his spit cup, you know, like, and it... All of us were exhausted, but we were so grateful too for every one of those memories that we had. But it was it was not it was not as easy as it sounds as I hear it secondhand oh, right. from Levi. Right, he, he was working his hiney off along with having that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, but really, what a gift because I don't think that happens very often. I mean, my mom passed away in um, 2020, and. She was too sick to, we knew she was dying, but she was too sick to do anything. So we couldn't do those things that she would have loved to do, or we would have loved to do with her. So, I mean, it's, it's really just a gift. I don't think it happens very often at all to be able to have someone just be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do before I die. And I want you to be there next to me and let's do it. That's pretty. Yeah, that's so cool. I can't, can't help but think of the Tim McGraw song. I know. <laughs> Live like you were dying. You know, yeah. every time yeah. I hear that, I just, I almost tear up because it just is so powerful. But I'm like that you're telling us that in a real, you know, a real story of like how that was. And yeah. And it's know, crazy it's how as humans, we forget that we, sh- we really, we're literally all doing that. Like we yeah. have no promises yeah. of how long we're here and when we're going to go. So why don't we live every day? you know, obviously you've got responsibilities, but in a way where you're like, it could be my last. So do who do I want to reach out to? How do I want to spend it? Do I, I don't want to spend it in anger, you know, or whatever, just spend it in love and just a reminder that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But to have that, to know, like he really is going, you know, that would just make it so real and so different. But, but I just wanted to bounce back to your story about your mission just for a second, because I think it's so cool. You know, we talked about how brave you were to go, but then I think it's also so brave that you left. And like you said, I mean, is there's intense pressure, you know, to do that. And I just think it's so, it kind of shows your personal like fortitude on both sides of that, mm-hmm. you know, that you went and then you came mm-hmm. home when you needed to, and you did it with confidence both ways. And I just think that's really awesome because again, following your intuition and your gut. And I'm yeah, sure you're so important. grateful now that you had those months with him, you know, so it's really admirable. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I have friends that actually were in the same exact situation as me. Funny enough that had siblings that were sick or dying and they were on their mission. And, um, a lot of them chose to stay mm. and it, it's, a, an 18-year-old boy is a warrior in their brain. Like, right. like, like life is seriously like a fight, like a war, and, yeah. and you're you're a warrior. And when you're out there, you're singing these songs. Like you like, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've got our badges on every day. It's almost like we're like picking up our gun and going to fight the Nazis, you know. Yeah. And so, like, it they really do train you to, like, that's your purpose in life, and. So, yeah, it, it went against my natural 
what like, I think the natural choice for uh, my head would have been to stay, but my heart definitely um, said to go home, and and I didn't understand why, but um, I'm really glad I did. Mm. Yeah, that culture really is that's a hard choice in that culture. Yeah, being raised in that culture, and especially in Utah, it's no easy task for, like you said, for an 18 year old to make that decision. No, I'm just impressed because yeah, I think. Yeah, I know firsthand too, how that is to be in that mindset. And that I think takes a lot of, especially that age, you know, to have that wisdom that like, I'm just going to do what I feel is best. So I think that's yeah. very admirable. Right. Um, um, so, so you had a couple months with him. Um, yeah. This was what, like 20, 2019, 2020? Yeah. Before COVID though. Yeah. yeah he left us before COVID. Because he passed away in March of 2020. Uh, ish, he, like February or January. He oh. passed away on January fifth. Oh, January. Okay, okay. Twenty twenty. I'm I'm curious how. I would love to talk about like. So Christmas for cancer families kind of just started as like as a fluke, and I just started doing it because I met this gal that was getting her hair done and she was terminal, and I offered to let her family use our cabin and. So it didn't start with intention, but it just grew organically. And I I would love to hear Levi's perspective on what that felt like when there was so much going on in the family already, like what he remembers of that and how that felt as a sibling to have his mom who's already absent so much and so focused already on his brother, like... I'm curious what that felt like. Right. And the listeners might not know, but because you started that while Riley was still alive and Riley was part of yeah. that for a little while. Right. And then, yeah. So that's a great point. I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah. That happened the first time in 2017. Mm. And so Riley was initially diagnosed in 2014. Uh, he fought for an entire year and then he was cancer free for two years. And then his cancer came back in April of 2017. And it was in December of 2017 that the first, our first inkling of Christmas for Cancer Families came about. Hmm. And so, yeah. So you were a bit younger when that first began back in high school, probably. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In high school. Do you remember like us taking Christmas up to that cap, to the cabinet or lake and stuff? Or what do you remember? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I don't know if everybody grew up with a superhero of a mom, but this is kind of what it's like. Like, I would agree. She's yeah, a superhero. She is. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, she's, when she, she said in her, her last podcast with you guys that, or maybe it was this one, I just can't remember. Her, her personality type is a, what do you call it? Daredevil. Daredevil. Yes. Oh, yeah. She said that. Daredevil. Like, episode, yeah. Daredevils, she talked about this in that last episode, right? So mm-hmm. go listen to it. It's awesome. But I mean, she's uh, built differently in an amazing way. God blessed her with a lot of amazing gifts. And one specifically is that when things are very hard and very stressful and when most people would would slow down or let off the throttle in life, in their like their passion adventures or I call them passion projects 
she fires up in her passion projects. When stress is high, passion project becomes high. And, and I'm very much like that in the fact that like, when things get hard, I, I put my, I put more effort towards the things that I'm passionate about. And so it was very interesting because Riley was going through cancer. I mean, life in general is already hard. Uh, and she's raising kids and, um, I'm going on my mission soon, I guess. And then she, uh, she decided to, yeah, start a organization giving Christmas to families suffering the effects of cancer. And, and I watched her and I was like, mom, you are such an idiot. Like, stop, <laughs> like, slow down, dude. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, all of the greatest people in the world did their most inspiring work in the hardest times. And I think it's, it's something built into the human experience that we aren't built to have an easy experience here or, or a boring experience here. Behind every corner is a learning experience. And, and it's funny how when we win or, or reach our goals or, or hit the, the point that we've been striving for for years, it never feels good enough. And we're, we're striving individuals. And my mom does something um, really well, which is, is strive. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, when she started that organization and started doing Christmas for Cancer Families, I, I kind of, uh, again, felt very forgotten. But I had this experience having a, an example of a, of a mother who... Um, turned towards helping others when things got hard herself. And she's taught me since day one that um, the most powerful, she could tell it much better, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, <laughs> the most powerful omen or energy source in our bodies is gratitude. So no other energies can exist when gratitude is present. And so finding an organization or finding a passion project that you can work on in, around, and through hard times and just through life will keep gratitude active. And so, I mean, that's the key. I mean, that's 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 a great ingredient to a happy life is, is finding that passion project. And so I watched her do that when most people would shut down, throttle down or shut off or numb out to, to the pain of, of, of facing losing a son um, helped me realize why, why the most influential people that I know have been through the hardest things. And it's because of that. I think it's super amazing that I got to just hear that from my son. I know. I was going <laughs> to say that. I yeah, wonder if you have beautiful. heard that from him before. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, like, and I'm, I also, I live in a place of awe and wonder. I'm okay to not have answers with things, but I, I like answers. So I'm constantly looking for answers, I should say, but I have been feeling lately and I haven't talked to Levi about this as much, but I love that his perspective of me is that what he just described. But in the last two days, I've been wondering to myself, like, why do I do this? Why do I do this? 
And there's a lot of reasons. Number one, it's where I've witnessed the most miracles. I've witnessed countless miracles and seen God's hand from a very front row seat. And I also have done it because, I mean, it's miraculous to watch people come together for a greater good. Like it's an, it's an amazing thing to, to witness. And it's always felt super easy. Like it's never felt like any effort at all. Like we could have somebody's house completely torn apart and it would feel effortless to me because I think because what we were doing was in alignment with God and, and so it just works, you know, but what I was going to say is I think that there's a few reasons why I'm exploring why perhaps I throttle down in the hard times. I think it is a means of checking out. It's, it's staying very busy. Um, and I like that it's in a good, for a good cause, not, not something bad, but, um, and also I read a quote this morning and I don't remember it exactly, but basically it said that, um, we, we end up trying to serve others and do for them what we wished somebody would have done for us or something like that. Hmm. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Like, I think that we know what it feels like to lose a family member, either from a mother's perspective or a sibling's perspective. And I think we could both speak to how that feels at Christmas time and at any time of the year. And so we know how we would want to be treated. We know how we would want to be spoken to. We know how we would want to be served or held or, you know, loved. And, and I think that those are both reasons why I uh, throttle down in the hard times too, is just that I think when you go through a, a lot of hard experiences in your life, you know firsthand what it feels like and you know how you wanted to be treated and maybe weren't or were. And it's an opportunity to pay that forward and give that to somebody else too. Yeah, but it's again, beautiful. Can't, all of it. I can't be more excited about the fact that my <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Well, yeah, and I think everything that he said felt so just beautiful, but true about you. You know, I I think I know that we both feel that way after speaking with you, and but then I love what you said too, and I think it's cool to remember just that that quote that you pointed out that like sometimes that is where we can serve the best is the things that we've been through, you know, we can serve others. Cause just like you're saying, we understand what it's like to go through, you know? And I think it's cool even bringing in Christmas, your help people with cancer and their families at Christmas time. Like it's such a vulnerable time, you know, you're spending time with a fan. I mean, I'm sure knowing you guys know firsthand what that's like, like at that time of year where it's this happy time of year, it's probably really heavy at that time of year when you're going through something so hard. So, um, anyway, I think it's neat all around that you've been able to turn outward that way. And, and now Levi as well. Right. And I think yeah. too, amidst all of it, you're serving, but the, what, um, Levi said about what, what you said, Jackie, about gratitude is mm. huge. I do think really the only way to live a life is full of gratitude because it's the only, I mean, you can think of all the bad things and all the hard things and what was me and this and that. But if you, there's always something to be great, grateful for and have gratitude towards, and it could be, you know, it could be people, it could be, 
whatever, but there's always something. And I think that can help lighten whatever else is going on in your life. If you're feeling the gratitude and then to share what you have in the way of what you're saying, like in your service or in your doing things for others. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% believe that what we focus on is what we invite into our life. And so if we stay focused on gratitude, I feel like it invites abundance into our Mm -hmm. life. And, um, and I, I also know the importance and the power of word, the words that Mm -hmm. we say, the thoughts that we think. And so I just think we're going to get a better end result if we focus on gratitude. Yeah. I love how you said that. Um, so Levi, do you have anything more to share in your story, your experience that we want to touch on? Not really. I mean, those, that, that really captures kind of the big growth points for me throughout this. And I just want to add that, I mean, Christmas for cancer families isn't just, I mean, for me, it's not just giving Christmas to people with cancer in their families. I think it's more of a, a lifestyle or a mindset for me where, where I can constantly have an organization in the, in the, in the back of my head that uh, I can um, stand behind, you know, like there's a lot of organizations out there and there's a lot of places where you can donate and there's a lot of people trying to do good things. And it's, it's just amazing to me, this organization, because it's focused on the family. It's focused on the, like the real nitty and gritty. And if you saw how we, if you saw behind the scenes of how, how we run this organization, it's, it's a lot more sitting down with people and talking about the really hard things going on and a lot less of the Santa Claus moments. And so that's kind of where, that's what we stand behind. And, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's my final thoughts. About yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, being around Jackie, like when I'd go to your classes at the gym and it was, this was starting about this time of year. And you would mention if you have someone to, to nominate or if you have ways to donate or whatever, and then seeing you in your element at the house and, um, you know, even talking to the families or the video that was made after when you connect with the families and show them their home or whatever. Um, I think Levi said it perfectly. It's not just about the Christmas day and the, and the Santa and the presents, but it's about the connection you're making with these families and t- telling them that they're all important and they're all, you know, you want them all to have this, these moments together. Cause a lot of time it is terminal and they're going to lose a member of their family and you want them to have these special times, but the connections and the relationships that you have made and that you've also connected other people, you know, and you're giving so many people opportunities to serve, whether it's a talent or money or just labor, it's a way that, you know, the communities, communities, families, and everybody can connect. And I just love that part of your organization. Yeah. And I was just thinking how cool it is because you're giving a gift to the family, but it's equal for the family. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, it's weighted so much in the, in favor of like the child or individual with cancer. It's like, this is a gift to the whole family. So every sibling is going to fill you know, the, the impact of the gift or, or the remodel or whatever it is. And yeah, anyway, it's just really neat that, and it kind of goes back to Levi's story and how you're wanting to just help every member of the family that are affected by these, you know, this trauma and this experience. Yeah. And honestly, moving forward, we don't know what Christmas for cancer families looks like. 
it has been different each year. And last year, you know, Levi, we, we had just moved to a new home after 26 years. We were in a small town and um, we, our family sent a family up to Bear Lake um, to spend Christmas. And she had a little boy that was, had cancer. She didn't know that he was terminal. She didn't, but um, on the morning of Christmas Eve, or on the morning of Christmas, um, the the little boy that had cancer that we sent up to our cabin or to a cabin at Bear Lake actually passed mm -hmm. away from his cancer. And so I just don't, I don't believe there are coincidences. And um, our Christmas morning looked like me waking up to a text from this woman um, saying that her boy was not breathing and, and I partnered with cabins for cancer and they were on the text too. So luckily they were local and they went over to help her. Um, and as I spoke with them and with her on the phone, trying to figure out what I should do, because when, when Riley passed away, I remember feeling like I didn't want anybody there at the house. I just wanted it to be a quiet, sacred experience, but it's a different experience for each person. And this woman, her name is Jenny Moon. Um, she actually wanted us there, but I, I, I wasn't connecting the dots. I was probably a little bit in shock. And Levi finally came into my bedroom and he said, mom, we need to go up there. We need to go there. And I was like, you're right. We need to go there. And so early Christmas morning this last year, Levi and my husband and I drove up to Bear Lake and it was a very sacred opportunity to sit with this mother, this single mother and her children that, you know, had walked into this glorious Christmas and, and these little children that didn't quite know what was going on. And, you know, Levi was able to sit with these little siblings and hold space for them and have such love for them and open their packages and play with their toys with them. And I was able to sit with the mom and you know, just listen to her and, and give her the best advice I could at the time. And as we drove out of the canyon that day, um, we just really felt like I had worried, that I, I, I worry that my child will be forgotten. I worry that Riley will be forgotten. And, and I was worried that we didn't do enough for Christmas for cancer families last year. Um, but to see the way that God orchestrated this, it wasn't a home remodel and it wasn't a trip to Disneyland, but I felt, and maybe this sounds crazy, but I felt like for our family, that was a huge, I felt like God was saying, here, I trust you with this sacred thing. You've proven yourself. I know you'll take good care of this family here go go be my hands and it was a very humbling experience to be to be in that situation and it's a Christmas that I will never forget um but so yeah we we love Christmas for cancer families I trust that it will always be exactly what it needs to be I trust that the right people will be involved um, it may not be perfect. Levi is amazing at running businesses. 
and he could see that my bookkeeping skills were lacking. And so he has offered to be the uh, chief of operations for our, our nonprofit, and he does a much better job than I do. That's awesome. And for that, I am so grateful. But yeah, we are, it was Levi's idea to have the gala this year and to have one big fundraiser all at once that we can put a lot of effort into and to um, also have the opportunity to honor some of the families that we've helped and to kind of show a little video about what we do and have an auction and, and ways to, to raise money so that we can do whatever is placed in our path. Yeah. I loved when I saw that, that you guys were doing that just to give yeah more opportunities for people to serve and more opportunities to help other families because there's so many. So yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit more about the event. We mentioned it at the beginning. Um, but again, so it's November yeah. 14th. November 14th at 6 PM. Um, anybody listening, you can basically just block that out on your calendar and hit up our website and buy some tickets. <laughs> but, uh, so the, the night will be very eventful and super memorable. Um, a lot of people are asking the question like, okay, my friend, family, like distant relative has cancer. What's the best thing that I can do? We're going to teach you basically that evening, like what it looks like to support cancer um, through really exciting and, and fun ways, but also um, we're going to have some speakers. We're going to have a live auction and a silent auction to to raise some money for some things, and we're going to have some really exciting live auction and silent auction things going on. Um, so, um, yeah, we're selling tickets tickets and tables so if you want to just buy a table of eight you're more than welcome to or just buy some tickets and every dollar like jackie said is going to go towards our charity um, and towards those families and furthering the the work of christmas for cancer families and um, we're going to actually have some families that have been affected with cancer there that night that uh, it will be pretty influential and we're going to watch a, a video, but it, mainly it's going to be, um, we're going to be dinner. We're going to have a, a very nice dinner and it will be a very uh, fancy little nice. gala. So come get dressed up and join. Yeah, them. that sounds amazing. Yeah. And it, do you still need people to donate things to be auctioned as well for the silent auction and the live auction? So yeah, if people, yeah, okay, people always. have things to donate, they can reach out to you as well. So, yeah. And we'll put in the notes of the show notes and like on Instagram and Facebook and everything, ways that you can contact Christmas for cancer families and Jackie and Levi will put easy links. So anyone listening can hop over there, um, or just in the podcast notes where you're listening and reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah, Cause Instagram is just Christmas for cancer families. So if you, um, go follow them on there, then you can see the information on the gala and the tickets and all all the things to make it super easy so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah. yes and and we have a website that's just christmas for cancer oh, oh yeah that might yeah that's great and we'll put that as well so people can link over so okay all right well we always ask at the end how do you find beauty in life after going through these t- transitions and it's so funny because sometimes when we ask it I'm like now they already said so many amazing things mm-hmm. about how they find beauty so maybe sum up how you guys yeah, find beauty in but life people usually still have yeah such great wisdom. things to say so <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, i'll go first finding beauty in life through this transition um 
and what a beautiful one it is. I, all I have to say is, is, uh, like, like we've talked about a lot tonight, but I just, I just want to reaffirm and re emphasize that life is way too short. Like we as humans cannot like really grasp like how in, indefinite life is. And so, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to share like a tiny two second story that two weeks ago, I actually got to sit in a room with like 15 of my greatest mentors ever with authors and business owners and investors and people that I've looked up to my entire lives, not really in the charity space, but more in the business and investing and, and mentorship space. And it was just so hilarious that every single one of them, not even kidding you, every single one of them mentioned how short life is and how dumb it is to get caught up in stupid crap. And so that is my, I guess if I could leave with, with one message to everybody um, through this um, is that life really is too short. If you're unhappy, get happy. And those were some of Riley's last words and, and his last post on Instagram talked a lot about this was um, get to that, like get that, rotten thing out of your life that's that's killing you and and life is just way too short to to put up with with dumb crap and to get caught up in dumb crap and we're all on this spinning rock flying through space anyways and we're just specks of dust down here and and like the dent on your hood isn't gonna kill you so get over it you know and um that i guess that's that's my point point of view yeah thank you you love that that's cool i like that um, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it. Just that how do you question. find beauty in life after going through, yeah, your shifts and transitions? Um, it has been my experience um, that I think there are only a handful of things that are more horrible to the human soul than losing a child. Um, but I feel like going through that has taught me exactly what Levi said, that very little is important here and really has taught me to, to know the difference between what is important and what isn't. Um, but along with that, I feel strongly that God will never be indebted to us, meaning that as far as the pendulum swings in one direction, like in our misery, suffering, and trials, that it will always swing the opposite and that if we will step back, zoom out, and, and watch life, like what, what, focus on what can I learn from that? And I mean, without taking way too much time, I just feel like before we came into this existence, there may have been some specific things we wanted to learn. And we don't know, nobody knows, but maybe we made an agreement with somebody to go through a certain thing or to experience a certain trial because we wanted to learn about that. And um, I just look at the ways that my experiences have expanded my ability to love and have compassion for others and the way that they've expanded my skill set, the way that they've expanded my awareness of 
what people go through and and the miracles that I've seen, I just think that it's true that there there always is beauty in ashes if if you take the time to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I've loved this so much and I, I mean, I expected it to be a good conversation, but I just feel like inspired, uplifted, and I've learned a lot from both of you and your stories. So thank you so yes, much for definitely. sharing them. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jackie. As always, you're just so like eloquent and just an amazing person like Levi said. And Levi, I am just amazed with you. Like you're an awesome guy and have been through so much. And I'm grateful that you're willing to share your perspective. Cause like I said earlier, it's a unique perspective that I don't think we hear as often as we should. So thank you so much. Yeah. You have a lot to yeah. offer and yes, to share with our listeners and others. Thank you guys. Thanks for what you do. We love your yeah. stories. Thank you. Likewise. Okay. Yes. Thank you for listening and for being here and being yeah. part of it for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at beautiful shifts podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band. We the lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song. Move along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. Find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free I can feel I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong yes. Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey